All right, so quick review. I promise not to make this laborious, but I think it's helpful. Last week, we learned about asking for the best gift. And what is the best gift? The Holy Spirit. And the benefit of asking for the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit does a lot of things for us, but we looked at three last week. He guides us, he convicts us, and he comforts us. So we looked at the importance of the Holy Spirit. Can we guide ourselves? You know, some people have tried it, but everyone has a different idea of what truth is, and guidance gets kind of convoluted. Can we bring conviction to our own hearts? No, uh, we kind of think that we're okay. We need something outside of us to bring conviction of what is righteousness and what is sin. And can we comfort ourselves? If any of you have ever tried to bring comfort to yourself, it's just not comforting. Uh, Because quite frankly, I don't know about your mind, but my mind automatically goes to not good scenarios, which is not comforting. And we need the Holy Spirit. There is no higher gift than the Holy Spirit. And with the Holy Spirit, all other gifts come in its train. We don't have to pay for the Holy Spirit, even though what he gives us is worth more than all the wealth in the world. We do not have to go through great difficulties to receive the Holy Spirit, even though it would be worth going through the hottest desert, the coldest mountains, the deadliest jungles to get what the Holy Spirit wants to give us. Jesus simply tells us to ask for the Holy Spirit. If you could turn your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 11. And while you're turning there, I'd like to just go down a little bit of memory lane for myself. I went to a Christian high school, and I remember on career day, you have all these people come in, they talk about their different careers, and you would listen to different ones. I remember even then going to the career day for elementary school teachers and listening to a teacher saying, is this something that I want to do? In addition to talking to professionals, we also had tips on how to survive an interview and how to do your resume. And we learned that resumes should be on um, cotton-based paper, right? Instead of wood-based paper, Uh, preferably 75% at least, maybe 100% cotton. Uh, Get the color a little bit off from white because white is blah, right? You uh, dress, how you dress was important. You want to dress appropriate to the kind of job you're doing a resume for. So if you're asking for a job, you just, there's a certain amount of things you need to do. I remember the guy specifically said he knew an employer who dropped his pen, and when he leaned down to pick up the pen, he would look under the desk to see what kind of shoes the young person was wearing to see what, what kind of taste they had, whether he decided whether he wanted to hire them or not. That never happened for me, but... Um, I heard that. These are pointers that some people give on how to get a good job. How do you ask God for something? What are practical pointers on how to ask God for something? Um, We just talked about the ultimate gift. It's the Holy Spirit. So does the Bible give me any special details on how to ask? All right. Let's start. We're going to do the most simple one, 
but probably the most basic one, important, and that is Luke chapter 11, verse 13 says this, If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who what? Ask him. I don't want to be overly simple, but that is the key. Asking is not talking about the Holy Spirit. Asking is not singing about the Holy Spirit. Asking is not reading about the Holy Spirit. We are to ask for the Holy Spirit. You know, you could attend church for the rest of your life. You could hear about the Holy Spirit every single week. You could talk and argue about the attributes of the Holy Spirit and even meditate on the biblical proof of the greatness of the Holy Spirit and still not have the Holy Spirit. All we have to do, though, is ask for the Holy Spirit. So let's look at this passage, Luke chapter 11. It starts with verse 9, and we looked at 9 and 10 last week, and we're going to, 13 this week. We're going to read the whole passage. Please note how many words deal with something related to asking. Let's start. So I say unto you, ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who ask receives everyone who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be open that's six times already verse 11 if a son asks for bread from any father among you will he give him a stone or if he asks for a fish will he give him a serpent instead of a fish or if he asks for an egg will he offer him a scorpion nine times already this concept of asking if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, I know you do, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The concept of asking is repeated 10 times. Six times with the word ask, two times with the word seek, two times with the word knock. Ten times. Um, this isn't spur of the moment asking. In fact, you almost get the impression this is more intense. I mean, people can ask casually, but I feel that this is not casual asking. In fact, um, if you look, if you start seeking for something, that's definitely intentional, right? We, we, we know seeking is intentional. What about knocking? Okay, so um, a little story. When I was in college, I did something called literature evangelism. We called it co-portering. We go door to door with Christian literature. We knock on a door or ring the doorbell, and we would wait. Someone comes to the door. You go through your little spiel. Hello, my name is Chuck. I'm a student working my way through school. Instead of junk food or trinkets, we have something much better. Smile, right? 
and I haven't perfectly memorized it, but that was if I, from my memory of doing it a couple hundred times. A thousand. But that was something that we shared. But I am by nature shy. It doesn't seem like it here, but trust me, I need alone time to recharge. Lots of it. And I remember going to the door going like this. I knocked three times. No one came. I guess no one's home. (laughs) Because I don't want to see someone. I don't want to deal with relating to someone. As soon as you go like this, you're committed. You don't want to go that, I remember um, they would send leadership with us and uh, the leaders would, would see me and I'd go and knock on the door and I would do a little bit louder because they were with me. And they would look, Chuck, they may be sleeping. And I remember, whoa, they're going to come angry to the door the way they're doing it. I remember just being so scared. And I smile. Um, Christina has her fair share of stories because she's done this as well. Um, we, we remember times knocking the doors where we felt like our knuckles were going to fall off because it was too cold. We've spent a lot of time doing this. But I remember one scenario specifically. That first summer, um, I had worn through my shoes, and so there, it was water soaking in from underneath, Right? Uh, a friend of mine had bought me a shirt. Now, I'm, uh, for those of you who like pink shirts, God bless you, but I'm not into pink shirts, personally. Some people can do it well. I'm not one of them. And so I had my uh, friend had bought me a pink Nautica shirt. I, so I, thank you, I put on my pink shirt, and I was walking down the street, and I was doing it, and then at the end of the street, a couple blocks away, far enough that I could not really make out the faces. I saw some people, but I could tell they pointed towards me. And it was a group of guys. And they didn't look overly like, hey, let's hang out, play basketball. You know what I mean? And they started coming towards me and I could hear the yelling starting to increase. And you know what? I went to a door and I went like this. And they let me in. In fact, I invited myself in. It was an older lady, and I invited myself in. I said, hey, I've got something I'd like to show you. Do you mind if I come in and show it to you? Sure, no problem. So I went inside. Um, Sometimes the difference is made when our fear of knocking is overcome by something else. Am I right? Our need to knock is greater than our fear of knocking. Sometimes that's the same with the Holy Spirit. We don't beg for the gift of the Holy Spirit until our need of the Holy Spirit is greater than our fear of submission to the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah. Let me try that again. We don't beg for the gift of the Holy Spirit until our need of the Holy Spirit is greater than our fear of submission to the Holy Spirit. Sometimes. Maybe that's why the older I get, I'm more willing to ask. 
because there's more things I face as a 40-something that I can't figure out what to do with than when I was a 20-something. Remember when we could control the world in our 20s? We could take on the world. There was nothing to stop us. But now I'm 40-something. I have children. That's enough to let you know you can't do it. May we knock, ask, seek for the Holy Spirit because we need him more than we've ever needed before. You know, the word ask here in this word, the last ask in verse 13, is not, uh, not the tense that is a singular one-time ask. It means to keep on asking. It's kind of like um, in my house, we like uh, my wife's French toast. Mm, Very nice. And so when it's desired, it's asked and asked and asked. And you know what I'm saying? Some of you may remember doing that, or maybe some of you in here are still doing that to someone. You want something bad enough, you just don't stop asking. And that is the concept we have here with the Holy Spirit. I want it so bad, I don't stop asking for it. So one is need, and this is ask. A little book that was written, published in 19, early 1903, Christ Object Lessons. It's on the parables of Christ. It says this. God does not say, ask once and you shall receive. He bids us ask. Unwearingly persist in prayer. The persistent asking, do we need to do that because God is deaf? Do we need to do that because God does not care? No. The persistent asking brings the petitioner into a more earnest attitude and gives him and her an increased desire to receive the thing for which they ask. When I'm knocking and knocking and knocking, I desire what I'm knocking for more and more and more. I'm so convinced, as you might have heard last week, that the need of our church is simple. It's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's not a greater intellectual knowledge, although I I like that. It's not even a deeper understanding of the book of Revelation although I love that. What we need is the Holy Spirit. The Bible uses this phrase, baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's all kinds of ideas what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. I like to just touch on it briefly, if that's okay. Uh, It's mentioned six times in the Bible. Four times by John the Baptism. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all records him saying, You want to be baptized by me with water, but there's one coming after me who will baptize you with fire and the Holy Spirit. 
And then once Jesus says it in Acts 1, we're about to go there, so you can turn there, Acts chapter 1. And then there's another place where I believe Peter or Paul is referring to it. So Acts chapter 1, we're looking at this concept of baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is what we are to be asking for. Um, And I'd like to talk about fear. I know it seems odd, but sometimes there's fear in asking for the Holy Spirit. Maybe some of you in here wouldn't openly admit to it. I don't think any of us probably would openly admit to it. Some of you might, but I am scared. I'm, I'm speaking as a term. We are scared to ask for the Holy Spirit. What's he gonna do to us? What's gonna happen as a result of having the Holy Spirit in my life? Is he gonna mess up my plans? There's fear. So let's go, baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, Let's look at chapter one, verse four. The Bible says, and being assembled together with them, he, Jesus, commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the, what's the next phrase? promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So he goes, you're supposed to wait for the promise of the Father. You're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then, therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you, I love that. We want to know about this. Yeah, it's not for you to know, but you need to do this. Sometimes I wonder if God wants to tell us that. God, I want to know when you're coming back the second time. It's not for you to know, but you Sometimes I wonder if he's doing that to us. We get caught up in, what do you call it? Other things that are good, but not what's necessary for us. And so here's a necessary for the disciples at that time. He says, but you shall receive what? Power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. What is this baptism of the Holy Spirit that's talked about in verse 5? It's simple in verse 8. It's when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. That's what it means to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. Now, I like to just put a little caveat. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit, prayer meeting, all kinds of places. It's coming up a lot. Maybe it's because a lot of us are reading about it, so it's in our mind. Is the Holy Spirit working on your heart before you come to Christ? Yes, the Holy Spirit brings conviction, yes, of sin and righteousness and judgment that comes. So the Holy Spirit's moving on us. Even the first part of Genesis, Genesis chapter one, it says the Spirit of God moved on the face of the waters. So from the very beginning, the Spirit of God has been on our planet and moving with the hearts of humanity. This baptism of the Holy Spirit is different than just the Holy Spirit moving on our hearts. It's something more. It's something more. The word baptize, from the Greek word, those of you who've studied this, baptizo. And this is the word that was used to describe in Greek culinary books. 
making pickles. All right? So you take your cucumber and you baptizo in vinegar. And out comes a pickle. Looks the same, but it's different on the inside. I hope we got that point. Amen? We need to be baptizo with the Holy Spirit, where we look the same on the outside, but we're different on the inside. This is God's desire for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's a little bit of an application. I hope you don't mind. When the Holy Spirit has fully come on us, completely surrounded us, it's when we're baptized by the Spirit. To receive the Holy Spirit, we need to allow ourselves to be immersed. Dunked in. And no, Sam, I'm not talking about back here. We're talking about Has anyone remember horse playing in the swimming pool in the summertime or in a pond or a lake and someone grabbed you and just boom, put you under? How did it feel? Thank you, Henry. I'm going to die. Or some of you, you might have fought like me. I would kick and scream and scratch. I can't stand people holding me underwater. And sometimes I think when we see a baptism of the Holy Spirit come in our direction, not now. Because we're afraid of what may happen. If you stay under the water too long, what's going to take place? If you stay under the water too long, what's going to happen? You will drown. Self will die if you're under the Holy Spirit. And that hurts. It's worth it. But who am I to say that? Acts chapter five and verse 32. There's a reason why I made that comment. We're gonna come to it. Acts chapter five, verse 32. So um, there's a connection with this fear of going all out with God. And it's found in Acts chapter 5.32. And we are his witnesses to these things, and so also is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who want. Obey him. Wait a minute. So if I'm baptized of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's given to those who obey, and those who are given the Holy Spirit obey. Good. Can I try that again? Because it was a little confusing. The Holy Spirit, Spirit is given to those who obey, and we obey when we have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does what for us? What are those three things we looked at last week? He guides us into all truth. He convicts us of sin, righteousness, and judgment, and he comforts us, right? So we looked at this picture. When Jesus comes in, conviction comes in. And when conviction comes in, I have a choice. Surrender and obey or fight it off. And this sometimes is a fear. I like to look at two fears um, today in receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you, I won't tell you which one, 
but I definitely relate to one of these fears very much. And maybe some of you may too. If you wish to have a casual life, doing what God wants a little and doing what you want a little, having the Holy Spirit is scary. Those who have the Holy Spirit do not have a mediocre Christian experience. If you like mediocrity, don't ask for the Holy Spirit. When he comes in, it's different. But who wants a mediocre experience? Don't ask. When the Holy Spirit comes, what comes with the Holy Spirit? Power, guidance, all things, conviction. Could you turn with me to Romans chapter 14 and verse 17? Romans chapter 14 and verse 17. When the Holy Spirit comes into your life, something supernatural takes place, and this is the scary thing. When it's supernatural, it's outside of me, which is beautiful in one way, but scary in another. Romans chapter 14, verse 17. Romans 14, 17 says, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Kingdom of God comes with the Holy Spirit. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Um, I think one reason why the Holy Spirit baptism looks scary is because we see a lack of joy on those who claim to be baptized. Is that right? I tell you, I have met some dour Christians. I know that's an old word. It's sour in other words, and I can't give a... Yeah, okay. Man, just... I remember looking at one person saying... She was, she was mad at me. She goes, why are you smiling? I said, because I'm a Christian. We were fellow Christians. We were eating a fellowship meal at someone's house after church. She goes, don't you know what time we're living in? I said, yes, ma'am. I figured I should be happy. <laughs> I was a cocky college student, I, and uh, I hope that I've learned a few things since then. It's okay to have joy in the Holy Spirit. And the reason I have joy is because he's doing for me what I can't do for myself. When I see a miracle take place with my wife and me, that is, thank you, someone said it, right? That is joy. When I see my children and a miracle in their lives, that is joy. When I see God doing what I've tried and tried and tried and cannot do, that is joy. That is joy. And that comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. We have to ask, continually ask, knock, seek. But it's because we desire it so bad. It's me saying, I'd much rather be inside than outside right now because it's dangerous outside. Sometimes when we face the things we face today, 
I can guarantee you, I can't. I would assume that everyone in this room is facing something in your life right now that's outside of your control. And some of you may have anxiety because of that. Some of you may want to give up because of that. Some of you want to cry because of it. I don't know what your response is. Some of you want to get angry because of that. That might be closer to mine. But we face things beyond us because we're limited human beings and we can't do what God can do. There's another fear. Some of you may be afraid that God is going to ask you to have a Christian experience like somebody else. And you do not want to have a Christian experience like them. I remember feeling that way. Man, Professor so-and-so, he doesn't have any fun. I mean, he walks around like, "Mm." and then he yells at all the kids. And then he does this. Why would I want to be like him? But he is the most spiritual person around here. You, You know how we have these weird ideas sometimes? God has not made us cookie cutters. God does not want every single one of you to look like each other. Thank you, ma'am. I wish there was a hearty amen from everyone on that. We don't want to be like each other. God made us individually. You know, I was had the privilege, a friend of mine is from Singapore, and he invited my wife and I there to do a weekend, and of course I refused, no. I said, thank you, we're willing to come. And so we spent a week in Indonesia and uh, another part in Singapore. And while we were there, their national flower festival was taking place. And it was in this beautiful, we went into this building, I, had a, I like taking pictures, I'm not great at it, but I like it. And I remember taking picture of flower after flower. No two were alike. God made them that way. God doesn't want a field of blue flowers and that's it. God wants us to be who we are, sanctified by his Holy Spirit. It's okay to be different, to look at things different, to witness differently, to minister differently. If it's the Holy Spirit in us, we're the same yet different. Um, I want to emphasize the Holy Spirit guides us in all truth. And there is one truth. Amen? And yet, as individuals, it shows up in so many beautiful, different ways. You know, I used to... uh, Okay, I'm just talking. It's a good story, though, if I can share it with you briefly. I had a friend of mine he spoke to the youth at camp that I was a director of. And I just did not connect with his speaking style. But the youth did. So what did I do? I begged him to come. We all are different. I needed his different perspective, his different style. He was in love with Jesus. It was all over his face just because it didn't connect with me. And so there is that need of openness and recognizing that God moves through us. You know, we're praying tomorrow as a a church leadership team for the Holy Spirit. 
And we're not praying that we have one program that we can squish our church into. We're asking for the Holy Spirit to speak to us what we can do with incredible gifts and talents that we have in this room. What a, what a beautiful thing. I'd like to close with the story of Peter. He was a normal guy, went to church, tried to take care of his family, cursed when he got mad, and had a goal to move himself forward in life. He finally met a guy who could help him climb up the ladder. And although Peter sensed that his new boss didn't view life the same way he did, this man was different in a good way. And Peter was sure that being with him would be the best experience of his life. Soon, his natural talents combined with the charisma of his new boss had Peter clearly on the upward trajectory. What happened next is the greatest tragedy and sacrifice of all time. See, Jesus, Peter's boss, ended up dying an outcast and a savior at the same time. Peter's goal for going up the ladder ended that day. But Jesus was resurrected. And before he went back to heaven, as Peter's and our high priest, he promised Peter and all of his fathers a gift if they would simply ask for it. A gift that would bring all their gifts in its train. The Holy Spirit. Peter asked for that gift and it changed his life for the better God used Peter to give life uh, used, God used him to give, live a life that was full abundant, alive Peter preached to thousands he saw thousands baptized he did miracles, even rose the dead he was part of the process, he didn't do it God did it through him Peter had his trials but Peter lived a life that's only possible when we have the Holy Spirit in us. Do you want that kind of life? Do you want to experience the kingdom of God? Righteousness, peace, and joy. It's going to take you diving in. It's going to take baptism. Will you ask God for the Holy Spirit? Who this morning would like to say, I want to ask God for the Holy Spirit in my life. I want to be baptized by it. Amen. Could you bow your heads with me? Father in heaven. We recognize our inability, and for a lot of us, I speak for myself, we come with a little bit of fear, but we are going to put it aside because we want what you have more than anything else. Please send your Holy Spirit. You have promised to give if we ask, and we are asking. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.